Hello, and thank you for listening to Radio Radar Plus. This is episode 29 for Wednesday, November 25th. This is a pre Thanksgiving show because we didn't want to record something on Thanksgiving. Because we're selfish been, that way. Yeah. I want to, a bit much. I want to eat. That's what I want to do on Thanksgiving. Like right now? Do we need to get you a sandwich? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I just ate something, but I think I'm starting to get hungry again. Eating on the show is not allowed. Are you, this is an <laughs> oppressive regime you're except, running here. Except except chips and blocks of ice. That's fine. <laughs> Those things so are So good. Uh, and the, the blocks of ice have to be individually wrapped as well. Do I have uh, to chew on them? Just... <laughs> uh, so I'm joined today by Ashley Reed, editor. Hello. Games Radar Plus. I actually don't mind chewing ice, but I'm sure everyone around me does. Uh, and Lucas Sullivan, another editor here at Games Radar Plus. Hello. Are you guys able to bite into popsicles? I can't. I mean, I can, but I immediately regret it. I have it. to be extremely strategic about it. <laughs> like, sort of you start to, like, with, like, a nibble, yeah. and then, like, leave some oh. teeth imprints, and, like, that's the, the mock Soften area. it up a little bit. <laughs> I can do it as long as it's not my two front teeth. Like, if I put it in the side of my mouth Ooh. and bite it off like that, I can do ah, that. Jesus, just thinking about it. It's just the two front shivers. teeth. Just the two front teeth. I'm like, ah! The pain. <laughs> uh, and I'm the U.S. editor-in-chief here, by the way. I didn't get to that part, but whatever. <laughs> okay, this you know. is pre-Thanksgiving. I don't even have a show outline. It should be the sound <laughs> of fluttering paper at this point, which is me, like, throwing the plans out. I'm actually looking at your notes. They're pretty good. It's pre-Thanksgiving. It's pre-Thanksgiving <laughs> exclamation point. That's it. <laughs> Those are the notes. <laughs> Those are the notes. <laughs> That's good. So, you know, I usually I usually dictate what happens on this show. I usually say, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. Like I said, an oppressive regime. Large and uh, in charge. Lucas, what should we talk about today? I'm going to leave it open to you. Holy smokes. Uh, Don't mess this up. We can up. talk about what games you're going to play over the Thanksgiving break. And I know what I'm going to play. Rise of the Tomb Raider. Ooh. Uh, we're also going to get to Ashley's review of Bloodborne, the Old Hunters yeah. DLC. Uh, this is a lot of responsibility, Letty. Heavy is the head that wears the crown exactly. <laughs> or has the headphones on. That's very wise. Well, we could talk about Bloodborne because I know, Ashley, you are playing or you just finished playing the Old Hunters DLC, which I'm pretty excited about. And it is an expansion pack, but it's not a typical expansion pack. It's very much in the style of From Software. Yes. I, I actually, I'm not as familiar with uh, From Software's other games, so I wasn't, I didn't know that this was pretty standard practice for them. But what they do and what they did with Bloodborne is they pick a certain point in the game and they say, okay, once you've passed this point, then you get this thing that unlocks the area where all the DLC content is. So that ends up you DLC have DLC content. I'm sorry. I'm so, I, Do I have to leave? <laughs> do I have to go? <laughs> well, honestly, why is it called DLC? Shouldn't it just be DC? Or it should be DL content. DC is just too easy. You gotta have three. You gotta have three. But the DL content Digital is all downloadable, downloadable DLC. Oh my god. And it's all so it's all locked behind <laughs> this one item, which is of course is very macabre. Of course. You get the eye of the blood drunk hunter. And they're like, guess where you're going? Somewhere awful. Why would you want that, something like that in your pocket? You find that and you're like, mm, I'm gonna take this. I'm you never know when you're gonna need it. It's not the weirdest thing you pick up in Bloodborne, I gotta say. <laughs> and the the messengers give it to you, so you're, you're kind of like, well, uh, I guess if you... <laughs> what are you going to do? Make them sad? Nah. They're, they're the only people who give a shit about you, so they, you don't want to make them sad. Fountain. They live in a fountain. That's sad. <laughs> it is. like they, they have terrible lives, but they still take the time to help you out, and it's like, you right. know what? You better be nice to them. This could be a jacuzzi as well. I haven't really mm. scrutinized it. I haven't taken a dip yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is... It, it, it can be a bit of a headache to get there, I'll admit. If mm. you've already beat the game once, you're going to have to start over, and it hurts. But it also it also feels good in a way. Like, I just plowed through some bosses in the early stages who just gave me hell the first time I played it. So it was very affirming in that way. And then you get to the... You get to the DLC and you're just like, oh, that was all incorrect. Every impression <laughs> that created of my skill in my mind was false because this is ridiculous. You get dressed down a little bit for your for your arrogance, your hubris. Exactly. Precisely. <laughs> that is exactly what happens. So what I think is cool. So it, it's not. It's not. The, the new stuff doesn't happen in a menu. You don't select it. You don't get it at the very end of the game. It's just integrated into the main game. So if you were starting a fresh game from scratch, uh, you would just you you could just encounter it naturally. Yeah, you'd work your way up to it, basically. And it would seem very natural, especially because the way you get 
to the level, the the area where it all happens is very similar to a different part of the game that's already there. Uh, I don't know if either of you got to the Nightmare Frontier section of Bloodborne. Yes. Yep. So then you both know, and I'll tell the audience for anyone else who doesn't know, basically the way you access this area is you wait until the right time, and then you go up to this window and talk to someone, and they give you a stone, and then you go to this other area and stand in front of a door, just a random door, and then something swoops down and grabs you and crushes you to death, but then you wake up somewhere else. That's how you get oh, to the well, new area. I mean, how would you not know to do that? That seems right. That's intuitive. You just do that again in a different spot. <laughs> okay, so that, that's a, that's a pretty good explanation. Um, so Bloodborne, I think one of the, the the brilliant things about it and many of From Software's games and that style is that you kind of learn how to you learn the the layout of the world just by sort of very carefully exploring it because you're constantly under threat. At, unlike most uh, action games that look like Bloodborne, um, you have to be very careful, deliberate, and because of because you're moving at such a pace and like you're trying to take in as much as possible because you're trying to protect yourself and trying to learn and get better at the game, you tend to remember where things are. Mm-hmm. So having played through, if I if I played through the entire Bloodborne and and when you finish the game, there's a new game plus and you kind of loop back and you start over. Is that a good point to go into the expansion, or do I want to build up again, or do I need to like beat a boss first, or should I just wait until the very end where I'm at the most the most powerful, and then go into the the new expansion area? Well, you definitely have to get up through uh, Vicar Amalia, the giant wolf lady in the cathedral, because that's when the content actually unlocks in the game you're playing. Right. It can't you can't have beaten her in the past one and then grabbed it then, but. Personally, I think it really feels like an end game challenge almost mm-hmm. because you'll be just wiping the floor with the enemies in the campaign and you'll be struggling to get past even just basic enemies in the night in the uh, hunter's nightmare. I think it's funny because I think one of the most rage quit inducing bosses I can think of that I heard from a lot of people there is like, I stopped. I stopped playing Bloodborne. I couldn't do it. Was Rom the vacuous spider? I absolutely just destroyed her, like done. And then I went to the Hunter Hunter's Nightmare and I'm like, I can't I can't be the first boss. I can't I can't do it. So I had to <laughs> keep playing up through the end of the game, which was just such a weird thought because you get access to it so early. But it just makes it easier on you if you take the time to level up and proceed through the game again and then go back. Right, I think it's that feeling does go away the more you play a Bloodborne like that. Oh, I'll never, I'll never be able to beat this. <laughs> so having it reintroduced in expansion is kind of funny. It's a, ve- it's, it's almost reaffirming in a weird way because you have to struggle through it. You're like, this is the worst. I hate myself. I'm terrible <laughs> at everything. And then you beat those bosses you're struggling so hard to beat. And I'm like, maybe I'm not the worst. And then you just repeat this. Like, I'm still the worst. Oh God, I can't beat the second boss. Why? <laughs> Uh, Luddy, are you going to go with the... You and I are of like mind, correct? Because we're both going to do New Game Plus. Yeah, yeah. So that it's just as hard as it as it would have been. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I, I like it. Play it. I like it. Because thinking about it, I don't want to feel overpowered in the way I somewhat did at the end of at the end of Bloodborne, where I was just like, these guys that used to scare me are just cake. But it's, like, it's like diving into a pool of water. You take the breath, and then you go under, and then you gradually rise to the top by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the game, you kind of stick your head above water, and you take a breath, and you're relieved that it's over because you were worried about drowning. <laughs> right? So that's, that's kind of how I think of it. Like, and for the new game plus, it's like, well, I'm going to take a deep breath and go back one more time. <laughs> Except now I'm going to stay there for slightly longer because there's an expansion. And this is a chance for me to see all the content that I somehow totally missed the first time around that was in the base game, but I just didn't stumble on it. What did you miss? Did you defeat every boss? Uh, I defeated every boss I was aware of, but I missed the entire castle. Uh, What is the name of it? Castle Kanehurst. Oh, no. Castle Kanehurst is great. Everyone has their their, the one that they really hate, right? Everyone (laughs) has the boss they hate. (laughs) I hate that guy. Lagarius? Yes, he is the worst. I don't remember hating a boss. I mean, I remember getting stuck on a boss for a long time, which was the Blood Starved Beast, 
Everyone, I think that's your one then. Like if you got really, really stuck. I never got like angry. I was just like, wow, this is hard. And then I just went well, elsewhere. Well, look at you. Few bosses that I feel like he abuses magic. Like he throws a lot of <laughs> bullshit at you, like magical <laughs> bullshit orbs. And you're like, stop it. Stop it. Nobody Knock else. It everyone off. else fought me fair and square. They were monsters or they swiped at me. You're flinging magical things at me. It's not fair. Oh, you're teleporting. Great. Oh, and you're flying. Great. <laughs> Rain perfect. of deadly swords. Great. I actually remember when I was playing through Bloodborne, getting on Twitter and seeing a seeing a tweet from you that was literally just ah, and then a picture from the game where you he had like a tiny bit of health, yeah, like one pixel of health, <laughs> and you had like forty thousand blood echoes, and you were dead. And I was like, oh that damn, kicking the nards. It's like that hurts. But like not in a way that makes me want to smash the game and stop playing. I feel like that's like it's like well played. I will get you. You will pay for this. <laughs> I, I will have play. my revenge. I yeah. actually, ha- I had a moment in the uh, in the first time I played because that f- that first area of Bloodborne where you fight the cleric beast and Father Gascon, Father Gascoigne, Gascon, he, it feels very restrictive. There's really at first there seems like there seems to be a lot of stuff, but then after you've managed to conquer the area, you're like, okay, this is actually a pretty small area, and then it bottlenecks at Father Gascon, so you're like, okay, I gotta beat this guy, and if you don't, you gotta keep just leveling up in this mm-hmm. same one area, and I started to have like a crisis of faith, like I could not beat him. I tried like 15 times. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Am I, dude, am I just not? I can't, I'm just bad. I can't. I can't. No, okay, but. so I have, I have two questions. Two questions. Hope. Number one, do you think that the proliferation of social platforms and sharing and broadcasting and all that stuff has made it better to play this kind of game because you are no longer suffering in silence? You, get, I get to tweet. Ah! <laughs> I get to complain about bosses, Definitely. and everyone's like, yep, 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 that, that guy, he's the worst. It's a bonding Here's experience. how you beat him. It really is. And I even today uh, we had a stream today that you sh- everyone should totally watch uh, <clears throat> with myself, Anthony Agnello, and Sam. Well, really, Anthony Agnello and Sam playing Bloodborne, and me trying to direct them through the downloadable content. Because you're the pro in the scenario. Because I'm I'm the one who vaguely remembers you, where everything was. Ventured into this place and came back alive <laughs> with a review. I know it's crazy, and I was trying to direct them through the area because I because you, you kind of memorize it to a degree, but then there are those areas you go through really early that you don't remember perfectly. Well, I know there were a couple of points where you would start stepping into a place, and you're like, oh, and then you suddenly remembered, wait a minute. <laughs> wait, no! There's a thing that happened here. And, oh, then, God. and then there were times I wouldn't even remember, like I was, I think I told them, hey, go up this staircase, and then see the thing that comes out, and then turn to the right. And they're like, Jesus, you didn't tell us about the giant rolling ball of fire! <laughs> I'm like, oh, I forgot about the giant rolling ball of fire, I'm sorry. It just adds but, to the excitement. But it ended up being a really, f- even though they died be- because of my poor instructions a couple <laughs> times, like I told them, hey, go in this house and turn to the right. And they're like, oh, there's a guy over there with, oh, this is actually goes into the clever design a bit too. Uh, they're like, oh, this is a replica from the very early part of the game. There's that guy with his back turned who has the quicksilver bullets. Let's go over there and get them. There was a bomb over there <laughs> and it blew up and killed both of them. And I was like, I totally didn't remember the bomb. <laughs> so that was awful, but we enjoyed it together. So it wasn't nearly as awful, you know? Felt felt like we were comrades in failure. I feel like the share button in general is just one of the one of the best features of the PS4. And Justin wrote an editorial about that way back when. But uh, I use it for kind of selfish, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Narcissistic. Uh, That too. (laughs) Uh, Sharing of like leaderboards and stuff like that. Because it's nice to crystallize crystallize the placement on a leaderboard. Whereas that that rank can go away. You'll always have the picture of it. So (laughs) it could be a Photoshop. That's true. (laughs) 
Show me your leaderboard certificate. Or a hacker who has like 50 billion points and then the next person's like 3 million. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I actually use it for kind of the opposite reasons. I use it to show times where I failed spectacularly or when I found a really ridiculous glitch, which is what I've wanted to do basically forever. I was always jealous of PC players because they could do that. And then when they finally announced that it was going to be part of both the PS4 and the Xbox One, I'm like, my dreams have come true. I don't even care what games they have on them. I just get a share button. I'm so excited. (laughs) And that's exactly what I've used it for is to make myself look stupid. And I love it. It's funny how like uh, there's a completely different reaction to glitches and bugs in video games, depending on who is looking at them. Because if it's (laughs) say the developer or the publisher, they're like, Oh no. Oh, that's being shared. People are retweeting that. No, it makes my game look less than perfect. Um, but for us, I think it's often like this is really funny, and here is the magic of games. It's endearing, and, and in some ways, it's like proof that like the systems are real. Like if something goes horribly wrong inside of it, it's mm-hmm. proof that there's actually like it's not you know just uh, <laughs> scripted. It's, it's like that uncharted governed by algorithms. Stage demo. D3. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that was that was wonderful. I was and, like, this is not a movie. Yeah. And also the the beautiful opportunity that gave us to be like, it seems like he's gone into uncharted territory. Yeah. I, uh, I I couldn't share in that compassion. I, I'd probably jumped out the window. <laughs> no compassion. <laughs> so the second question. Oh, oh, were you, did you did you remember that we can ask the second question? Yes. Did you already forget? I did. <laughs> uh, this is actually a question laser focused on Lucas. <gasps> How would you feel if Bloodborne had a kill death ratio? Like if it kept track of how many times you died and uh, shoved that in your face, would you I w- feel less motivated or more motivated? Well, it does keep track of your deaths, yeah, right. At the, but only at the end of the game. Uh, I honestly don't, don't remember. remember. I don't remember if it does. Um, but it's not like a post-match no. KD ratio. <laughs> I wouldn't because I don't feel like KD ratios with NPCs are impressive ever. Like. Who cares if? Because Destiny did that, uh, and it, it's just a weird inflation of like. So really, what you did is you stood in the camping spot and shot over and over and over. That's not impressive mm-hmm. to me. Uh, so no, I, I don't think people people would inevitably just like kill the <laughs> opening area enemies over yeah. and over, or you know play super duper cautiously to the point of it just not being interesting. Yeah. And then plus, since you're supposed to learn how, with Bloodborne specifically, since you're supposed to learn how enemies act in order to fight them better, do a better job of fighting them, then it would kind of go against the very concept of it where you're supposed to get better by memorizing what the enemies do. And once you've memorized it, of course, you're going to kill more of them. But I, just, I love the idea of a game where you can die to the first enemy. I feel like that almost never happens because <laughs> because people are too afraid that you'll take that as a sign that the game is bad. Right? Like, oh, I couldn't even get past the first enemy. It must not be a good game. <laughs> I think they actually did. I think it was actually pretty brilliantly designed because you could tell, <clears throat> oh, my God, what, like, I I've got nothing. I'm just whacking it with my hands. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. And then it's like, oh, here's a gun. Here's a sword. Go kill it. So then it does give you that impression like, oh, okay. And I think there are already players who can just finish the game using their bare hands. There like, are, I was going to say, I got to see that. Right. Dang, that's got to be beautiful. <laughs> there was one guy I was watching. He was like, oh, my hunter comes from a foreign land that rejects all hunter crafts. So, <laughs> so they fight barehanded with no clothes. And I love he like that. killed guests. Gone barehanded with no clothes. I'm like, you wow. son of a bitch. <laughs> I love when players craft like story explanations for their self inflicted challenges. The Diablo players used to do that a lot, and I loved it. I loved it to bits. The creativity is pretty fun, though they were like, it's a shitty backstory, but whatever. I'm like, dude, no, it's fun, <laughs> except I still hate you. What would the backstory be for the guy who beat Dark Souls with the? instruments like he's a he's a warrior of, of rock <laughs> he, he fights on I mean, behalf he comes of, from 
like a tribe that is extremely attuned to and they only, music and rhythm, and they only think of everything in terms of percussion. Oh my gosh. But he was very different from everyone else, and nobody understood. He couldn't play an instrument correctly because he hadn't yet reached his potential. Whoa. This what is, is a hand except for an instrument? Oh. <laughs> so basically, he's like the Dark Souls version of Happy Feet. What about the explanation for Twitch plays Dark Souls? Like, it would be multiple beings from another dimension. No, like attempt to control. Oh Ooh, my man. god, that's also very good. I that's was going to say like agree with each other. The synapses yeah. in his brain Ooh. were just like very slow. <laughs> no, 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 I like possessed it possessed by a thousand different souls, all competing for Ooh. your, all competing for your will, you all fighting amongst each other in there in your head. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's like one unfortunate man who's possessed by every single ghost. <laughs> That would really suck. This is Chuck. Chuck has is a very <laughs> unlucky man. <laughs> Dang, that's like a Netflix original series right there in in the making. Oh I'll tell you what's a good Netflix original series: Jessica Jones. JJ have not had time to play it too much. Bloodborne, but uh, soon. Uh, here's the thing, and I'm. This is not me saying this, but I was watching it with my roommates last night, and they were commenting that like. Kristen Ritter maybe wasn't the best choice for Jessica Jones because every buzzing sound insert here. <laughs> that's incorrect. <laughs> oh well, that's that then. Is this because it's like it's from looking at how it's adapted from the comics, or I I don't know. I think it was that her delivery sounded like she's just like here's my line and then here's my next line and then here's my next line. But I guess that's kind of what acting is. So delivery uh, of lines, please. Elucidate me. What is what is acting but (laughs) FedExing uh, pieces of a script to an audience, (laughs) (laughs) except slightly faster. Yeah, Um, I know. I really enjoy it. I think it's uh, super dark and but not in a like a immature way, like in a disturbing way. Um, It is a very different kind of superhero show, and all of they all of these superhero shows say that they're a different kind of superhero show. Uh, but this one really is because it's about superheroes trying to who has failed. <laughs> she tried it, didn't work out. Now she's trying not to do it, and she's a private investigator, and she is trying to find. Uh, well, she's trying to escape the grip of her past, basically, because she had to run in with someone who can control minds, and that person still lingers in her brain, like a really bad relationship. And she's trying to figure out, like, are my decisions being impacted by that still? Am I making these decisions because of this experience I had or because I really want it? And the whole show is really about questions like that. It was actually, it was really interesting when you were explaining it, because it isn't just that it, it isn't just that she, her mind was being controlled. It was being controlled in a way that m- convinced her that it was her own thoughts and own desires exactly. that she had to break away from. And I remember, and I asked you, I was like, how do you fight something like that? And I usually don't ask that about superhero movies. I'm like, well, or superhero shows. I'm like, well, you punch it in the face. That's how you right. do it. But this one, it's like, how do you actually do that when not only it controls your mind, but you can't even fight it really because it convinces you that y- you wanted to do it this way. Way. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's it's just a the, the they if you look at the mind control element of Age of Ultron, it was kind of cartoonish and it was like magic and now they <laughs> snap out a, of it. This is the perfect way to have two of our heroes fight each other yet again. Um, <laughs> which is fine, whatever, it's an entertaining movie. But uh, in this case it's just meant to be very disturbing because the way that the villain uh, who is named Kilgrave compels people to do uh, well, he really impels them because he kind of suggests something and then that person wants to do that. They don't feel like they're enslaved. They have they get a feeling inside them that's like, I want to do this. So having escaped him, she is constantly wondering, well, everything that she did with him or for him, was that his suggestion, want to, her wanting to do it, or did some part of her maybe really want to do those things, like punching Ooh. people and stuff like that? Ugh. So it's That's just a really dark. great exam- examination. It unfolds really in a really fun way, and uh, uh, you can usually tell when people are really hooked on a show because they stop saying they're watching it; they say they're binging it. <laughs> or they are like, I just watched the whole thing. Yeah, and I mean, it has very little action. Like, it's mostly dialogue and mind games, and it has sort of sporadic bursts of violence because the villain is extremely twisted. Um, but I, I would really recommend it. I think it's great. Uh, the other thing that I think is competing against it is uh, The Man in the High Castle. I haven't heard Amazon, of that one. Which is an alternate, an alternate history 
sort of Philip K. Dick story. So it's kind of mm. really interesting to see these streaming services do really cool genre television, like high quality stuff that probably wouldn't fly otherwise. On I, Fox. I honestly right, exactly. never... It I, would be like something that gets aired out of order and then gets canceled. And then right? The fans oh are my like, God. what the hell? Oh, that cuts deep, bloody. I know what you're talking know, about. I it know. hurts. But <clears throat> that is actually really interesting because I remember, I think the first Netflix original thing I saw was something dumb because some of the Netflix original stuff is dumb. And I'm like, They put oh. the label on everything even if it's not like, it's not really being produced by them. They just license it. Yeah. Because like uh, Jessica Jones is actually ABC, which also does Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is Compared to Jessica Jones, it's like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think you just made some enemies. I mean, I'm still watching it. It's just, it's just like so. It feels so light. How is it compared to uh, Peggy Carter? Um, Agent Carter. Sorry, uh, I didn't actually see Agent Carter. Oh, okay. I'll need but to check. I hear good things. Okay. About that one. Okay. But uh, where I was going with that is I, when I first saw a Netflix original on something, I'm like, oh, God, because I was sure it was just going to be so bad. But then they've come up with some really good stuff. And I'm like, I guess you can do that. Yeah, and I think it's, a, it's another good outcome of the Marvel Universe, which, I mean, number one, the Marvel Universe exists because they want you to watch all of it because you feel like you're missing out and everything's connected and it's all part of one <laughs> continuous story. Mm-hmm. So that's why. I mean... We can accept that, but at the same time, the that level of uh, prominence and like the cultural acceptance and the fact that you do feel like your investment is kind of going to your overall enjoyment of everything, uh, that pays for a show like Jessica Jones, which I think would be a very weird show to propose to someone if they didn't know, oh, it's from these guys who do all these other things that I enjoy. Yeah. Like, I don't think you would discover it as easily. That's very true. I kind of feel the same way with... Uh Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, which is a brilliant comic, but I don't think I ever would have paid any attention to it if it wasn't like, oh, yeah, that's Marvel. And then I read it, and it's yeah. like, okay, this is legitimately a good comic And it's on like, its once own. you've explored, like, the big stuff, like, the, the sort of the, the crowd-pleasing major stuff, then you can get to drill down into more nuanced, weirder things. Yeah. And what I like the most about Jessica Jones is it takes a comic and adapts it in a way that's not just makes it more accessible, but it makes it relevant to... Like the culture today, mm-hmm. you know. Now, oh God, now you know what? You just ruined my I Thanksgiving. Mean, also, That's what I'm doing think, now. I mean, just think about this: like, so a lot of the time, <laughs> even though it is a universe in which aliens have attacked New York, and they, you know, Iron Man has been flying around for years now. Jessica Jones, like, there's a dude who controls minds, and people are like, we don't believe you. It sounds like you're making this up. Like, <laughs> even though people, people not believing victims sounds familiar, right? Like that makes it very topical. <laughs> ah, good point. So it's like even though you've seen, even though you've seen it happen, and you know it can happen. That's yeah. Just happens to weird people over oh, in Russia. Like, oh, you'll buy the Hulk, but you won't buy, buy like mind control guy. <laughs> well, see, no, that only happens to people who deal with mutants. Sorry, <laughs> Pe- <laughs> creatures like Scar, <laughs> like Scarlet Witch. I mean, no, yeah, I can't remember which names I'm allowed to say, but gifted. Scarlet Witch over you in Russia. Say gifted. Oh, gi- gifted just mutants because Fox will will arrest you. Yeah, so gifted <laughs> beings over in Russia. That happens in Russia because they're over there, but doesn't happen here to good people. You know? Yeah. So I mean, I think I think people, some people use that as criticism against the show because why wouldn't they believe her? But the thing is, every day we see examples of non superhero things, like non comic book stuff, happening, mm-hmm. and we don't believe people when they say this is a problem for me. Yeah. So I actually don't find that hard to believe at all. It's like, why don't they believe her? Why indeed? Exactly. But it's a good show. It's really well acted, and the villain is. If you like a good villain, you have to watch this. I think it's the best Marvel villain of all time. Well, oh, they, wow. they have a villain problem. We know this, but it's it's good, and everyone has backstory. Even the, the my favorite thing about the show is like they have all these minor characters on the side. Like she has a, a lawyer that she does uh, occasional PI work for, and her, this lawyer is, is uh, has a really strange relationship with her wife and that kind of thing. And you're like, why is this even in the story? What is what is the point of this? And then, like three episodes later, you're like, that escalated quickly. Oh, <laughs> I geez. see now what they were doing with. He it. has and, something with Jessica's wife. Uh, no, no. Uh, uh, the lawyer has a wife. Oh, okay, is it? so Jessica uh, something Carrie with Carrie Ann Moss. Yes, Carrie Ann Moss's okay. wife. I was uh, like, I think I remember. So she has a, she has a strange relationship, and then you're like, what is this? What is the point of this? Uh, but really, it's giving you sort of like it builds up to the motivation of certain characters and when they make certain decisions that affect Jessica later on. Because Je- the the whole show is also about her affecting people just by kind of being so one single minded about 
this guy. Ah, I, uh, that's also kind of <laughs> that's an interesting other level as well. But yeah, I think I think we'll give it a few weeks and then we'll we'll maybe revisit it on the show again because we are also an entertainment website uh, and we have a review, a very positive review of Jessica Jones, which you can go check out. Hooray! Gamesradar.com. It's like we don't just sit in we don't all sit in a single white room playing video games twenty four seven like you know twenty three five. The rest right. of the time we got to do other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what are, you, what are your Thanksgiving plans? What do you usually do? Do you just eat turkey? Yeah, uh, that's <clears throat> yeah, that's pretty much the story of it. I, I always make a green bean casserole, which is very exciting. Oh, I enjoy green bean. I do love I do love to make my green bean <laughs> just casserole. One green bean, <laughs> just, this, just the one. Singular. Just drowning just, in just give mushroom me a large, soup. <laughs> like a large platter, a silver foil platter <laughs> with a single green bean on it. Well, <laughs> that's your Thanksgiving dinner, right there. I, d- I did always feel like I was being shown up by my family, though, because I'd be like, "Here's my green bean casserole that I made off the back." of the French onion box and they're like here's our delicious turkey and our homemade stuffing and all this and I'm just like you know what I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving this year I'll come home for Christmas you bastards <laughs> uh, I might do the 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 unthinkable and that is attend two Thanksgivings back to back you're doubling up and I might uh, Going double I don't know how the, I don't know how the second Thanksgiving dinner is going to work because I'm going to be reeling from the first one. So... Gotta pace yourself. I'll have to binge and purge, perhaps. Oh, God. <laughs> don't, don't... Are do you gonna go full Roman? No, I have, I, have a, I have this wild idea. What if you eat in moderation? Oh, my... What if no. that, Stop. What if Stop. food but too much? That is Thanksgiving. <laughs> what if food but too little? <laughs> uh, um, I might Luddy, this is America. That. We don't do moderation, okay? Just, just saying. We <laughs> Don't do it. It's not American. Uh, I I believe we've posited this question many time on this uh, in this medium. But what is your guys's favorite Thanksgiving dish? I mean, I don't think I've done enough Thanksgiving to have a favorite dish. But it would be the Gosh, dessert. Darn. I guarantee you, it'll be the dessert. It'll How be. many Thanksgivings have you done? Um, three. Yeah, that's not bad. See, now I feel like a jerk being like, this is America. <laughs> like, oh, I'm, still, I'm level it. three on uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I'm like, the, this is the kiddie pool. Uh, yeah, it's funny, too, because like uh, we're working on a Thanksgiving group feature right now. And then I realized like, oh, for the UK. It's just another day. It's just another day. It's nothing. Oh, this is a funny... I got a funny story for both of you guys that neither of you have heard. Um, So one of our lovely editors, our reviews editor over in the UK, Justin Justin Tell, he is a vegetarian. And I was taught... I just got to talking about like, oh yeah, we're doing... We're we're doing like this on Thanksgiving. He's like, yeah, we don't do Thanksgiving. It's just another day. But I'm I'm sad about all like the turkeys you kill. It, It hurts me in my heart. And I'm like, oh, so... There's this tradition in America where on Thanksgiving the president picks a t- the president of the United States picks a turkey and pardons it and sends it away to a farm to live the rest of its days so it won't be killed, which is really kind of fucked up when you think about it. The needs it. of the one not <laughs> outweigh the needs of the Also it's just like you're pardoning it like you're you are giving it leave to survive while all of its loved ones and friends and family are slaughtered so it may survive. Like it's like this is this is something like they may like this is if we were the combine and this was half life <laughs> that's what that's like <laughs> one day the turkeys will rise up we can only hope that they have no concept of what's happening oh no they're they're dumb as hell they're domestic turkeys they don't know what's going on they'll drown when it's raining <laughs> they'll be like what's that and drown leaving their mouths open <laughs> That's a harsh view on turkeys. Are you just are you down on turkeys so that you can justify your senseless killing of them? Maybe a little bit. Hey, wild wild turkeys. Wild turkeys are smart. Domestic turkeys are dumb. Which is there we go. Really, I am pro wild turkey. True? It is true. Wild turkeys are scary. They'll get you. Yeah, they they're like the ninjas of turkeys. I remember they will yeah. end you in the forest. In New Jersey, I almost ran over a turkey because it literally just like jumped out of a bush into the road while I was driving. <laughs> 
And I thought, what the heck are the odds? Was it chasing a deer? It was nope. Just <laughs> just decided now's my chance. It was trying to it was trying to make you crash so it could eat you. Uh, it could get you while you were defensive. My eyes out, perhaps. Slowly over the course of many days, and then it would pack some of you away as leftovers in like the in the little I Tupperware could, containers. I could do the stuffing. <laughs> this got weird. <laughs> It always does. It always does. Thanksgiving, man. It's that pre-Thanksgiving hysteria sitting in <laughs> right now. The, the feast awaits. The hunger, it grows. Um, I, have a, I have another question for you, Lucas. Oh, do tell. Can you sell me on Spelunker World? Because I downloaded it because so. you were like, Spelunker World, it's the thing that came out on the same day as Fallout 4 alongside Rise of the Tomb Raider. This is the one that got really buried. If you thought it was bad for Tomb Raider, this is the one that you really missed. You really, really miss. What is this game's deal? Uh, so this game is basically a re-envisioning of an NES game that is legendary for how bad it is and how mean it is to the player. Uh, that it, that would be Spelunker, which people are like, this is a Spelunky ripoff. No, it's not, because it came out in 1983. Uh, but... It's a platformer. Lucas del- did like a head tilt as he was saying that. Nineteen eighty three. Get it through your thick skull. Um, but it's a platformer with very, very, very precise controls. That is to say, if you are on a rope and then you try, or no, if you're on a platform, right, and then you keep walking off the edge. You don't like drift down and you you can't control your momentum in the air. You literally just fall and die (laughs) on the spot, like instantly. As you would in real life. Yes. And the drop it it takes to kill you is not a lot. <laughs> it is, in fact, less than like your body height, and you're already a pretty okay, so you're small. Very, you're character. a fragile. You're explorer. very fragile. Made explorer. of porcelain. Pretty much uh, everything kills you in one hit, and there are many, many things that'll kill you in each level. But I really like it just as like a. It's just a game most gamers wouldn't even play like they wouldn't even think to play it uh and something about that fascinates me like i will admit i have a tendency to enjoy games that other people think are hot garbage but (laughs) this is one where like really hardcore gamers like it because it's so hard and because it's so demanding but it's not necessarily unfair Mm -hmm. like Everything can be overcome if you do trial and error or you play super cautiously. Uh, so, it, I mean, I don't want to compare it to Dark Souls because that's what everybody goes to the second something's hard but also rewarding. But it's fun in the same way to be like, Jesus Christ, that part was hard. I never have to do it again because I beat it and now I can move on to the next level and do it all over again. I mean, uh, does anybody do that like like from software? Does anyone get that get that feeling of just achievement and overcoming something so difficult because it was so difficult? Well, I think I, I think, think the the achievement feeling is overestimated because I think there's also a lot of satisfaction in just the act of playing. That's true. These games because like they're so well designed and they're so like heavily they invest they make you invest in the environment in a lot of ways like you would never even need to look at a map like I feel like if you play like an open world game in comparison it's like you just look at a map to figure out where you're going you don't pay attention to where you're going you're just going to (laughs) the next activity right that's true so there's a lot of other stuff that goes into like a from from game but it sounds like Spelunker world is I mean it's it's not the pleasure isn't just in getting killed over and over again. No, it's the, like, this is such a relic from the past, yet I'm enjoying it on my PS4. For free, by the way. Right. So what's the world part of it? So it actually has a multiplayer component, and I haven't tried that out yet, but I was going to with uh, our very own Dave Roberts, and you're invited, Letty, if, you, if you'd like to experience pain over your Thanksgiving Absolutely. break. Absolutely. Ashley, you're invited, but you're not going to like it, like... 
I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee. Not nobody can see, but I was making a really offended gesture at being left out of the party, <laughs> right in front of my face. Jesus! At least wait till I left the room. Listen, I'm not trying to hear you go. That Did was you... bullshit. <laughs> when hey. you died to stepping one foot off a platform, you, then then we should not play games together. <laughs> How does it compare to 1001 Spikes? Because uh, I like I like 1001 Spikes. So yeah, I. You know, <laughs> I really enjoyed what I played at that. It was like an early build. Then when I bought the PC version, Norton Antivirus was so sure <laughs> it was a virus. That what, it has 1,001 <laughs> spikes. <laughs> it would just Shop. delete it every time the Steam installation tried to finish. So uh, I hope that I'm got I'm sure fixed. that you will just be need a, to... a PlayStation Plus free game at some point. It's true, but I think you just need to delete Norton Antivirus from your life. I don't know. I I was a hater on it for a long time, and then I got the paid version. That shiz has never done me wrong, like ever. So... I, I'm not. I'm no spokesperson. I'm just saying it worked for me. I mean, we're except old... unless you were trying to download a thousand and one spikes, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, but the thing that was with a thrilling th- conversation about antivirus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thousand and one spikes. The Stay controls tuned. are much tighter. Like they feel more like a game you'd play today. But Spelunker World feels like an, an NES game where it's like they didn't really know what good platformer controls were yet Ooh. because, you know, Mario wasn't like the go to right. uh, exemplary <clears throat> standard. The Goku <laughs> <laughs> uh, Super Saiyan. Uh, so it's it's different, but I like that it's different because it forces you to play a platform in a way you're not used to, which is like, I better know how this jump is going to play out, uh-huh. or I'm just committing suicide right now. But is it fun? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. that the question? In that there are so many times where it's like, oh my God, I don't believe this. And like I would <laughs> laugh to myself at like, they did that. They did that to okay, me. So I, I mean, I like that, like the disbelief of like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> yeah, and it's every time I die, it's like, yes, this is my fault, but it's also like, <laughs> could you not put a pit where you know I'm just gonna mindlessly walk forward because that's how these games go? Um, so yeah, it's it's a good it's a good time. It uses um, a free to play system, which scares a lot of people when they hear the words free to play. But it's very fair in that it's there's no like energy system or uh, any kind of limitation on how much you can play. It's just if you want to continue when you die, you only get three lives. Uh, then you can you can spend these gems that you can buy or earn through just by playing the game. So it's one of the least uh, offensive, I guess, free-to-play models. Um, yeah, free to download. I mean, what's not to like? What was What is Nintendo's favorite word now? Free to start? Free to start. Oh, so wonderful. Like that badge collector. Uh, after So we, in our pitch meeting this week, heard about Dave Roberts and his love-hate relationship with badge collector. Do you guys see yourself ever falling for something like that? Where it's like... You're being pulled in to spend money on wholly valueless things. <laughs> I don't think it's wholly valueless. Like, if you get enjoyment out of it in that moment, then I think it has value to you. But uh, I think, I don't think I've, I've almost never spent money. In fact, I think I can probably go on the record, as it were, <laughs> and say that I have not spent one cent on anything that's even remotely like that. <laughs> I just, it's like willpower, I guess. Or, 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 or I tend to enjoy the experiences enough to not feel like I'm missing anything that I want to get more out of it. The thing with my problem with Badge Collector, which is a 3DS game, which is it's a UFO catcher. Yes. Anyone who has used a UFO catcher knows that it's a scam. Yep. Well, these... I don't want to be, I don't even want to like go near it. I just <laughs> like that very concept to me is like, <laughs> makes nope. you sick. Even if, even if it's like the most fair version of a UFO catcher that has ever been created, <laughs> don't care. It's I, pretty... I can't do it. And then a digital, a, a, <clears throat> and you call them UFO catcher. That's an interesting, I call them uh, claw cranes. 
I think it's a claw cranes. Mm-hmm, they, like, that sounded like claw cranes, like clock rain. like a villain. That's Clark like uh, uh, how you beat Toad Man in, in Mega Man Three. Clock. <laughs> but those were, but and especially a digital one, because even like even like the physical ones are beholden to the laws of actual physics. A digital one has no such constraints. But I mean, like, so the reputation is they have a, they're designed to like the, the claw itself is like flimsy. extremely flimsy and yeah. weak. Uh, uh, and it's designed to just make you put more money in it because you almost got something. Yep. So just the idea I find is distasteful, but I also don't really see what's super fun about t- turning that into a video game or customizing you know? your menu screen. Which um, who cares? But I mean, like, I feel like if you if you so like let's look at the like an unlock thing, an unlock thing in a racing game, for instance. If you want to like just speed through the progress of playing the game you want to spend 10 bucks just to get all the cars right away <laughs> i think it's fine like you're just you're you're equating like you're you're balancing time time, time is money and whether or not you're just willing to spend the money to, to make the time go away. If, especially if you don't really enjoy the process of unlocking. Yeah. And that's fine. It's a totally valid decision. Um, I actually... Uh, but usually, mm-hmm. like, if, you have a, if you have other games, too, like you are less tempted to actually like spend money to revive yourself immediately because you're like, well, let's play something else for a bit and then come back that's to That's true. I actually, to your <clears throat> question, if I would ever, ever get pulled into something like that, I actually did for quite a while in college. I got pulled into... Uh, one of the most insidious games of all time, Mafia Wars by Zynga. Oh wow! Oh, it's the, the, the classic. Oh, I got just that roped was like one of the in. Original Facebook games, right? It was. It was like it was like Farmville and then Mafia <clears throat> Wars, and but I was I was very very much against paying for anything, so I was just like, no. As soon as I'm out of lives, then I'm out of lives. But it kept happening more and more frequently, and then eventually <laughs> one day I just had a moment. I'm like, this is a waste of my life. And I like shut it down and never went back. Shut it down. I think a lot of like I think we're a lot of these designers of games like that want us to believe that it's just an it's an additional source of income for them. It's tacked on or it's like additional. It's added. It the game was there and then they put this in. But I think it's it's silly to like try to convince yourself that someone did not design the game at least being subtly influenced <laughs> by the idea that it has to support. Like additional payments, yeah, and it's different for a downloadable cell phone game. Like if it's a free game or even a ninety-nine cent game, uh, that's different. Like it asking for more money if you enjoy it, I think is more fair than a sixty-dollar console game asking for additional money for things like that for like uh, expendable resources. Now yeah. this perfectly segues into something I wanted to ask you about, Luddy, which is what is the deal with those? Uh, card packs in Rise of the Tomb Raider. Like, so, I, I got one and I was like, what the F is this? And <laughs> so, I mean, I think, so that game, it really is tacked on. <laughs> that one, that one feels tacked on. Because it doesn't need it right. at all. So, the, 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 pro- the first problem is when the game design is influenced by it to the point where elements of the game design feel protracted or laborious or designed to make you work at something longer than you would ordinarily do for little reward to yourself, like a little reward in the inherent playing of it, mm-hmm. that's really bad. And I think that happens a lot. But in the case of Tomb Raider, I think that's, you can tell it's tacked on because you're like, what? Huh? <laughs> you got 20,000 credits. It's like, is that, so is that the coins that I get in the single player game? Or like, what? Are, so you buy card packs. And I think so card packs are, there's probably a, a psychological study that random packs like CEOs or executives that decided this should be in the game because they're like well people like the mystery like you buy the pack and you don't know what you're getting and then that feeling of like what's it gonna be when the card flips over that's what drives <laughs> that's what drives the purchases it's like the same as like pulling a one on bandit like pulling the slot machine and waiting for like if it's like oh cherry Cherry. Oh my god, oh my god, oh that feeling? I think people get addicted to that feeling, right? So <laughs> that is where the, the card pack comes from. It's like the blind buy. <clears throat> and it like modifies the game in different fun ways. And it's for expeditions mode, which is where you go through um, a part of the game again with weird modifications. Like now uh, your arrows are like three times as flammable, or now your health is cut by 50%. And all of those modifiers change your score, and you're competing on a leaderboard. That's so sounds... that is what the packs are for. So then that makes it doubly pointless, because <clears throat> if you could just 
give yourself stat buffs to get more points, then why have a leaderboard at all? Uh, begs a lot of questions. Yeah, it's actually it's a, it's a it's a bit stranger in Halo Five, which also has rec packs. So, oh boy! So you buy a pack. Uh, and you get points from just playing multiplayer matches, and you get more points for playing well, and then you use that point, those points to either put, you can purchase a pack. Um, some of them have different guarantees, like some of them guarantee you'll get a permanent item, some of them don't, uh, or you could just use real money if you wanted to. Um, and that's that's where people kind of uh, get stuck on because you could, in theory, use real money against a player who does not use real money. So it's like a, it's like a have and have not kind of situation brewing, and you buy a pack, and in the pack is a scorpion tank, which is <laughs> which is something that you'll use in Warzone. It's like Warzone is like it's all about managing an economy in addition to the strategy of actually playing the game, which I think is very interesting because you can't just like everyone hop in tanks all the time. We'll just like take twenty tanks and roll over to because between you and everyone else in the team, you need to have a car that says you have a tank. Like that's a resource, and I think it's really interesting to use an expendable resource in a multiplayer match because like now the decision is much, much stronger, weightier, right? Um, and they and the, the game is actually I think they did they probably killed themselves trying to design this way in a way that still feels fair because certain weapons will take out a tank very easily, and those weapons may be more common than a tank. So even if you spend money on getting more <laughs> tanks, you can be countered very easily. Not not to mention the fact that because there are uh, was it forty players running around, um, a lot of random things can happen just in that sort of system of people shooting at each other. So your tank might be taken out in like one second, right? And you'll be pissed <laughs> off. But that's, that's fair. what you get. Um, and so people are just kind of worried about like you spending real money to get things that are more valuable, assuming that. They don't have their servers tracking the global population of all cards that says, well, there are too many tanks out there right now. You will no longer get tanks in packs when you buy one. Right? Like we, They can control the supply and demand because the, the card that you buy is basically determined by a server that's decoding it, essentially, and saying, mm. like, here's what you get now. And I'm pretty sure that's determined based on... What's in the population? I never thought that about makes that. sense. Which is which would be a good way to manage it and make you feel like even if you spent money, the system will still correct it. You'll feel satisfied because you like I had got a tank. I spent money, <laughs> um, but again, it's that, that feeling of like, well, what did I get? Oh, cool! I got this legendary helmet. I'm going to spend more money again because I'll have that feeling again. <laughs> I'll recapture. The... It, it definitely matters if you get a, a good one too, because yeah. I remember uh, this was my my one my one weakness where I actually did pay money for something like that was Fallout Shelter, and I I really just wanted Preston the character, and I did get a character in the very first pack I got, mm-hmm. just like the free one, and then I proceeded for every I th- I can't remember how many I bought. It wasn't like more than ten or yeah, it wasn't more than 10, I promise. But um, for every one I bought, I didn't get another character. So then eventually I was just like, well, this was pointless, right. and I stopped. And mm-hmm. I haven't gotten any more since. Yeah, so like that's, I feel like, so Halo is a good example because the game design actually incorporated that process like in mm-hmm. a legitimate sort of ground level way. But, and it's not tacked on. But, I mean, Rise of the Tomb Raider, it is tacked on. And I mean, I guess there's no like clear right way or wrong way of doing it, but it you is just like Tomb Raider. It's definitely a trend. <laughs> I think uh, from has... what I understand, that stuff makes a lot of money, <laughs> like a lot. Well, oh it'd be interesting to know which sixty dollars games it's been most successful for, because like. I remember following the Diablo 3 Real Money Auction House, and that was like such a controversial thing. And then I originally saw it as like, this is how they're going to pay to keep updating the game for years and years. Mm-hmm. But then they, with the expansion, they cut it all together. Ballsy move. Uh, and like, I always, that's always what those tacked on multiplayer modes feel like to me. It's like, if you're gonna take the time to develop all all these assets and design these levels, then of course you want people to keep playing them for longer yeah. than just I beat the campaign and that's it. So this is the way to do that, but it can't really <laughs> it can't feel like just a way to extend game. Yeah, and I think it gets it gets complicated as well because there are certain times where it's appropriate to talk about things like that, and certain times where it's not appropriate. <laughs> 
um, to the point where, like, I mean, this just has a bad reputation, and it's worse if you're a sixty dollars game, I think. Which yes. is which is fair because, like, a sixty dollars is a lot of money, and you know, you don't want to go into it knowing that someone's already waiting there to take more money. Exactly. <laughs> it just kind of just, just kind of feels. It doesn't feel good. And when you're used to, in the past, you'd get a full package out of a sixty dollars game. Now it feels like so. I'm not actually getting everything. I right. have to pay for things. But like sometimes it is additional. Like sometimes it's literally they finish the game and they start working on the next thing, and now someone has yeah. to pay for that. Like sometimes it is extra. Sometimes it's not, and it's very hard to tell. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why I think sometimes like Microsoft has learned the lesson the hard way. Like Forza Motorsport Five is a great example. It had microtransactions. It had things that, and it's just something as as simple as having. The option on the the screen when you finish a race and saying like, "Hey, would you like if you want more tokens, press this button." That's all. It just says that. But being reminded of it existing is <laughs> is going to piss you off. Yeah. So, for Forza Six, they were like, "We don't have any microtransactions. We're not launching with any microtransactions." Ah, we're not launching with microtransactions. <laughs> it has them now. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, as close as you can get to sneaking something in. They snuck them in, <laughs> but not because uh, the game is changing in any other significant way. It's just like nobody, you cannot talk about it when the game is about to that come out. Word of mouth. Like, it's toxic. It's true. <laughs> so even if you do the best job of it, it's completely 100% fair. Nobody will care. That was, I <laughs> so think that's. stealth inserted. And, you know, people <laughs> playing the game now see it, but it's like they already like the game. They feel like they got some value for the money. So it's not as controversial. You haven't seen the internet explode over Forza 6 transactions in the same way that you saw it from Forza, Forza 5. It's true. Kind of the same thing. Actually, the exact same thing happened with uh, Assassin's Creed. But I think they also scaled back a little bit with Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Oh, the Helix Un- stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. Unity straight up was like, oh, you can't open this chest unless you pay for it and people were livid like rightly livid like oh so there's just this marker in my game constantly reminding me that i haven't bought this thing and i won't so i don't get so i don't get access to all the content versus syndicate where it's like here's some helix credits you can do whatever you want with them we don't really if we don't have them yet we shortly will and that will be there will be people at publishers who have a position which is like micro transaction guru public uh i don't know pr or like public relations <laughs> like some kind of pr of version just. of managing how microtransactions are depicted and implemented in games <laughs> which is also fine but uh just think about like so the the assassin's creed unity issue was also you would open the menu and there would be a hundred dollar option right <laughs> you don't want to open a menu and see Pay one hundred dollars for this. Best value. What? Especially <laughs> no. because even worse, that should be like three menus down. <laughs> especially because apparently there wasn't a hundred dollars worth of content, and you couldn't get a refund. Yeah, exactly. So, so they that's were like, it's broken. So they were actually putting out there <laughs> right. for you to pay more than you were actually getting back. You gotta get them whales somehow. And it's even it's even less satisfying if you're not really sure what the currency does. <laughs> and that it wasn't even worth it. So like, look, as if I said like, okay, you could buy credits for two meter with your real money, you'd be like, but. What what do I get exactly? <laughs> now you're suspicious of it. <laughs> I hate when you have to do a conversion uh, of you know dollars and cents what? to magical points. That is just like classic retailer misdirection. It's like on par with like it's only nine ninety nine. And your brain is like, oh, that's less than ten. It's like, yeah, it's one cent less than ten. I always end up doing like ten sounds much bigger than nine ninety nine. It does. It does. I remember. I'll always catch myself doing this. I got to remind myself. I'm like, oh, that thing's only nine dollars. Son of a bitch. It's nine ninety nine. Exactly. So like that. So it's that kind of impulse. So the silver in Destiny, for example, like I think the smallest denomination is five. Yeah. But the cheapest thing you can buy is. Something like four. So now you have $1 of silver left. That's how they get you. And now you're like, well, I have this $1 already. I should get, you know, and every time you add a step in, like, how much money does this actually cost me? Every time you add that step, uh, the Microsoft points from the Xbox 360 <laughs> era were brilliant at this because you would, it was, what was it, 80 points for one dollar and then an arcade game was like 240 points and you're like okay so that's 240 divided by 80 and that's how many dollars and And people don't want to do math yeah so like but 240 doesn't sound as much as oh this game is a thousand points so it's probably kind of cheap and even two for like if 240 points equals five dollars 240 points still sounds way better because it's less than 500 so it's just points like points doesn't sound like money yeah i actually so that stuff is all it's like really it's 
if you think about it too much, you'll just become furious. Don't do it. <laughs> I actually, I actually did get super mad because I was on Xbox 360 exclusively for a really long time, and I had a friend who was on PlayStation. And we'd always have these like fights back and forth, like PlayStation's better, Xbox, like you know, for fun though. We're not actually like I'm gonna put a brick through your window, but <laughs> it was definitely like when it came to how you buy stuff, it was like you win, dude, because it's like they just told you money, and I had to like translate points. I'm but like even, even PlayStation obfuscates it a little because it's like put the money in your wallet. Yes. How much money would you like? Five? You're like, no, actually, I was going to buy a $3 thing. Oh, so you want $5 in your wallet to buy this $3? No. Just put $3 in my wallet and then I guess transfer it over to the other bucket. I like how the um, add necessary one, amount is like right. a tiny little button at the bottom. Yeah, so like now you can just add the money that you need oh, interesting. immediately, but... I was going to say like I was going to say that actually makes sense to me a tiny bit from a business perspective because <clears throat> if you're using a credit card I don't know exactly what the rates are but if you're using a credit card right. they're going to charge a court they're going to charge I don't even I don't know if it's flat or not but if it's a lower amount you're still going to be charged so you make less on that transaction. Okay. But that is it is Sony and not it, like yeah. mom and pop's coffee shop. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. I'm not saying I'm not saying I like pity them and they deserve it but right. it's like it makes sense Don't why they did it. Someone think of the Sony's <laughs> of the world. <laughs> Actually they're not doing that well. It's like PlayStation is the only thing keeping them apart. <laughs> Oops. Let's be honest. <laughs> Got him. Good thing PlayStation's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that that I think wraps up this pre-Thanksgiving show. Thank you for joining me. Thank Ashley you for having Lucas. us. Uh, we will be back next week on Friday, the usual time. Uh, so hopefully you'll listen to this during the Friday hours as you recover from from a, a delightful Thanksgiving, either consuming an appropriate amount of food or watching an appropriate uh, amount of episodes of a streaming television show <laughs> or playing an appropriate number of hours of a video game. <laughs> Of course, none of that will happen. Nope. And maybe by Friday, we'll have returned from our own turkey comas. 